Autumn Janine is a visual artist, a textile artist, fashion designer. Jewelry accessories. Author. Poet. <laughs> telling her story. Through your whole creative journey. How do you feel now? Excellent. Because when I do what I do, then other people are inspired to do what they do. Or that they want to do. And I'm like, you cannot be afraid to do it. People are going to judge you regardless of what you put out there. And it's okay if they don't like you. You're not for everybody. But at least if you have a story to tell, I, I, I got tired of seeing the autobiographies and then, oh, how I overcame it and stuff. You didn't really overcome it. I feel like a lot of people put a Band-Aid on it, mm -hmm. say, I wrote this book, and now I'm healed, I'm better. No, you're not. We're never better. It's a that's a life process. Mm -hmm. That's every day. Because I said I still cry when I look at them commercials with the, the daddies and the daughters in it. And yeah. It's like what I was like. You know what? I burst into te I like real tears. Really? Because I never really had a daddy. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that must be really. And then I was like, well, shit, my kids never had a daddy. You know what I'm saying? Right. You're like, oh, wait a minute. Oh no. <laughs> but but I think you don't notice. You don't notice it. Maybe with your kids, because you're so immersed in trying to do everything you can for their lives to be full, to be whatever normal is, and for them to get whatever. They, I mean, you have accomplished children. Your son just got his master's degree. You, you know, so that shows that you were a parent that put in the effort. So he did. He wasn't lacking, but he was because there wasn't a male influence. And that's the hurt part. And Because my, my brother was like, well, you know, you the daddy. You always been the daddy. You been the mama and the daddy. I was like, that's not a trophy I want to carry. That's actually a burden. Because I don't know how to be always feminine. This The super nurturer that y'all want. Because I got to be hard and soft at the same time. You know, so that's like a piece of candy with this karma in the middle. You know what I'm saying? That's what I feel like. And mm. I'm like, no, I don't want to be labeled as the mommy daddy. I just, you know, I just... Some women are okay with that. Yeah, I ain't never been okay. I can't teach you how to be a man. Like, I can teach you how to be a good person, but I can't teach you how to be a man. Only a man can teach a man how to be a man. I told my oldest son that today. I said, where you think I'm lacking at is because I'm not... You're looking for a male's perspective on things. I can only give you my side because I am a girl. I've seen what girls do to boys because I am the only girl in the family. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to give you the key pointers on what to look out for and then mm -hmm. how to treat them. And y'all ever notice that I don't allow y'all to disrespect women in any way, shape, form, or fashion, nor are you going to control them. So I have three brothers that are still married to their crazy-ass wives. However, I had to talk with them, too. But that was one talk, and I don't need to say nothing else to you. I'm not going to be in part of y'all lives like that. I'm not intrusive. Just know that if you hit my brother, you're going to see me in 30 minutes. That's it. You know, put him in jail. I might pop up depending on what you put him in jail for, but... A lot of stuff you got to work out on your own and I said we are very hard to love because we didn't get it but if you love them enough be patient enough with them to give them love give them space give them love give them space and then my brother stopped being a hoe that's all I had to say because my brother <laughs> I was like 
wrong with y'all? And I, I know they feel some kind of way by me being the oldest and I don't have a partner. I said, but you know what? I'm actually fulfilled in so many other ways that it bothers me this much now. Because you guys are nuts. You guys are on my plate. You guys are on my plate. And then you guys are on my plate. And right now, because my kids are older and I just got one left, I can now do the things that I want to do and trying to see what else I can accomplish. Mm -hmm. So I'm I'm coming out my shell more and more and more. Mm -hmm. That New York trip, that write that book thing, and me doing these you know, fashion shows and stuff. Mm -hmm. I was like, I would have never thought that if I didn't take that one step and the spirit didn't say, hey, get out of this relationship. I, I didn't know how to get out of that relationship. You just walked away. I did. I you did. I did. But but you were I remember when I first met you, like you were you were very quiet because you didn't know anybody. But you found a space of a group of women that kind of empowered you for your personal reasons, even if they didn't know it, they that they did. And then it was like the more you did, the freer you became. And the more expressive you became. And then you broke that you didn't necessarily break away from women of Toledo, but you kind of were able to like stand firm on the ground and go some direction because you were, you were empowered to do that. Like women of Toledo did what it was supposed to do. So it was time for now you to step away from that and become whole. And how long have I known you? Um, eight years. And I've seen you, I mean, I've like seen you grow you know, into your bigger self. And and this is just the beginning. Mm -hmm. It's just the beginning. And along the journey, you will, someone will find you whom they like who you are as a person. Um, it'll make them brighter because you're brighter and vice versa. And so it doesn't always happen in our younger years. And I kind of think that's okay. Like I'm at a space in my life where I think it's okay that, you know, I've had the journey. Then I've, you know, of being in relationships, being married, like all that stuff. And then for a while I wasn't ready because I didn't need to be ready. I needed to, to, to get some things done and I needed to feel whole and free and unbounded, you know, so to speak. And, so now I feel like I'm in a better place to be that other person for someone else as much as I would want them to be for me. Yeah, see, I haven't gotten there yet. No, it's and okay. Think, and I'm telling people, don't send nobody my way. Because my friends are known to try to hook me up with people. And I was like, I, I understand y'all want me to be, because y'all like me. Mm. But you're sending me people that don't like me. And then I, I remember a long time, I was in my 20s, and my niece was like, will you, will you stop acting bougie? Huh? I said, well, the problem was you hooked me up with somebody's shit. <laughs> that was the first problem. And now I don't always have an issue with that. But when they see me, they're like, well, you wear, they want me to wear flats. You already had hit the red flag because you have this complex because you don't like tall women. And I'm not even tall, sir. I'm sorry, you 411, and I'm like six foot in heels. <laughs> like, right, right. What do you want me to do? Shrink myself? And I said, that's, I keep meeting people that want me to shrink myself. So I was like, well, I need to connect spiritually with something to keep me in a different space. <coughs> yeah. Because that will happen a lot of times. 
And I was like, almost like some of my other friends that want to stay attached to a person because they need somebody to be attached to. And I was like, but I never had needed anybody to be attached to for like mm -hmm. the longest. I learned to cook when I was eight. And I asked my mama when I was older. I said, I, I didn't, I got a lot of beatings for being vocal. Mm. And I'm looking at my mom and I had told her that. She was like, you make it seem like I'm a tyrant. <coughs> mom, you what? You did not understand the daughter that she had because she is nothing like you. And I'm happy to not be like you because you're sad mm. and you're insecure and you don't want to do anything for yourself. And I said, the way y'all taught me, I was anti-Southern life. Did, did, what, how did she feel? Because <coughs> your mom your mom came to your book signing. Yep, she's one of those. And guys. how did she feel coming to the book signing? Because, I mean, did she, had she read the book? Did she know? She read the book. She had read it. Yeah, she's, she's a scary person. So <clears throat> that little bit scared the crap out of her, you know. And I'm like, well, she said, well, I always know you're going to do something because she was always in sixth grade maybe. Okay. <laughs> That don't really have a lot to do with it. Most of those are dreams that I've had. And then a lot of it is just, I just have a very vivid imagination. I have a very childlike imagination. Like, mm -hmm. I told my son, I'm 21. He's like, mom, you're 45. I don't care. I'm 21. Okay. You're going to say that. I'm 21. <laughs> I said, but the thing was that that childlike innocence is the creative person in me that's always creative. I've always been this person. Mm -hmm. And that person has always been shut down all the time. So when she walked in she was to like, the, the book signing. She looked around and she didn't say anything. She's kind of want to be reserved. And then it's like, wait, you have friends. Like, you know people. Because they think I don't know anybody. They think I'm very antisocial and I don't have friends. I was like, no, nah, it's actually a lot of people. That if something was to happen to me, they'd probably kill y'all for me. Okay? <laughs> I'm just not vocal and sharing my life like that. Because they have taken so much, so from me. much from you. You oh, just I keep it. I know my son. He 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 always talks about me um, running track, and um, I ran track for Camp McKinley, and they were you know very city champs, state champs a lot during my four years of high school. And he said, "You never tell people that." I'm like, "But it's not relevant, <laughs> you know. Like, why would I say it? Just say hey, this is what I did, you know. If it's not relevant for me." I, I just don't talk about it because it just makes it feel like you're bragging or boasting or I don't know. I, 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 I don't know. Very beautiful, spiteful. I have an auntie who competes with me. I said, we're in the same, we're not in the same age bracket. She's like 57, 59. Okay, so we somewhere, you know, and she competes. And I'm like, why are you competing with your niece? Because I'm the one that got all the gifts. I'm the one that cooks. I'm the one that creates. I'm the one that can problem solve with no problems with my head still on my shoulders. Nothing stops me from what it is that I want to do. And that was the disconnect between me You're and like me. a jagger nut. Like, <laughs> Unstoppable. You know, she's like, I never understood me. It takes a lot for my mom to speak to me because I think she's more afraid of what I might think of her. And I said, well, my too late. I had already read you a long time ago. And I told you this a long time ago. And you still stayed married to this man. I told you what I saw. So she don't know that I have a poem that's it's dear, it says dear mama and I'm telling her from my point of view you were the queen who didn't know she was a queen and you mm -hmm. let me see this side of you that is so ugly mm -hmm. and you still kind of be like that you know mm -hmm. 
she doesn't get it. So did it help her a little bit when she came to the opening and she saw the people? She she heard you read, you know, I mean, not, she, from she the book it. and she, she read. It. Yeah. She like yeah. yeah. My my daughter is doing it because her sister will call her about her daughter's accomplishments. She's like, boo, listen, my daughter didn't been to New York. She didn't wrote a book. She's published. She has this, this, or the other. And my aunt goes, well, she don't ever talk about it. And I was like, um, so? So you want, because that auntie wanted me to come to Dallas with her because I was making African clothing. I figured right. I could make a lot of money, right? I read right through that. And she was like, well, you and your son can come, but not the rest of them because you're not married to him. I was like, I don't leave my family for nobody. Cause those I are still didn't even your like children. that man like that. No, I, it was the boyfriend and his kids. Oh. And I was just like, uh, no. Because the thing is, you want me to come to Dallas to make money so you can take money from me so you can get the credit for having to come down here. Y'all don't think I know who you people are? I worked for y'all a long time ago when I was younger. This is why I know how to do what I do as perfect as I can do it because I was y'all's little slave until I got old enough to tell y'all to kiss my ass. You can't do that anymore. She had a boyfriend that wanted my recipes because he had a bar for a drink that I made. You can buy the recipes, but I'm not just going to freely give it. Or you can fly me out there as a special bartender and I can do the drinks for you for the night and come back home. But all y'all want to do is take from me. So I only share a little bit here and there with my mom when I'm doing something so she can feel included. And I told her, I said, until you start to apologize and be accountable for a lot of your actions, nothing is going to change. I share with you because you're my mama. I don't really have to. I don't share with my grandma a whole lot. I said my grandma book. The first thing she thought was it was a book about the family. She didn't want to read it. I was like, oh no, I got one coming. And it's coming. And it is about y'all. But if you don't read poetry, then you don't have the mindset to understand it. And so some of it is written to where they don't even understand it. I read five poems to my baby daddy. He was like, oh, that is really nice. Didn't realize it was all about him. And he didn't even didn't even know it. I was like, okay, so y'all minds are not deep. You're not deep thinkers. You're not even understanding that. I I just dogged you out. <laughs> it's an old poem, and you're like, oh, that is really nice. I didn't know you write poetry. <laughs> I was like, mind you know I've been writing for like forever. I got beat, remember? Because I wrote how I felt on a piece of paper, and you read it, and you kicked me out. She was like, yeah, I said, you remember that? Mm. You don't remember that, huh? I said, but I remember that. I remember you got mm. mad at me because I'm expressing how I felt about your husband and how you were trying to compare the situation. I said, y'all never taught me how to be a mom. You never taught me how to be a woman. You taught me how to be a slave. Wow. And she, yeah, I thought. I'm, and I didn't care. I was still, I still kept talking. My well, because you weren't mad. You were just speaking your truth. Oh, and you wait. were speaking the truth that was factual truth and, they never and how you felt
Thank you so much. <laughs> Usually before I sing a song like that, I let 
folks know I'm like, okay, here's the inception part. Here's what I'll, you know, I say all my like weirdo hippie boo boo things, you know. But like, you know, I chose to do this for a living, so you know I gotta be somewhere out there, you know. And I figured if you didn't want to be incepted, you wouldn't be at a music show during a, hurt, a tornado warning. So, you know, like, you got to share a little bit of that. But I feel like, um, I feel like I want to share some of my personal stories. Perhaps, perhaps, perhaps. Um, wrote a record, I just released a record last year, and so we were, um, when I was uh, on the road trying to talk about last year, it was called Americana. And it was my attempt at delivering the stories that I had collected on my walk of living all around the, the country. Um, like me being who I am. Like, you know, I'm a big black woman from the South. I'm, I'm queer. I'm, I'm, you know, snaggletooth and poor. Like all kinds of things that keep me on the fringes of our, of our nation's power mandala, as it were. From that seat of privilege, the most tender, most vulnerable people would share their stories with me. And in time, my mind, in my sleep, and in my, um, you know, reaching for attention, would turn those stories into songs. But I often have a hard time telling my own stories. Um, so I'm going to tell you all, I'm going to play for you all very, you know, it sounds mournful. It sounds kind of mournful. Um, song that was my first attempt at turning the lens back at me. It's a song called Wednesday's Child. Is everybody familiar with that little rhyme? Like Wednesday's Child is full of blah, 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 blah. I don't know why they let children hear that rhyme, because children will just latch on to whatever, you know. So I, I learned that I was born on a Wednesday. And I was like, oh, I'm full of woe. I'm the prince of darkness. Me, me, me. And I walked around like that for years. And I didn't know how amazing it could be to transform that into like compassion and presence and insights. I was just a Wednesday child. What makes it worse is one of my favorite singer-songwriters, Gillian Welch, wrote not one, but two songs about my birthday, both named Ruination Day. So I have this song called Wednesday's Child. I try to tell the story of my father and his father and his mother and my mother and how I find myself in the context of all these things. My father's family were sharecroppers in deep South Georgia, Burke County, the seventh poorest county in the country as of two years ago, and it's always been that way. Their phone book is a pamphlet, and their police station is a phone booth. <laughs> and their crops were cotton and sugarcane, and my father took me out to the cotton fields when I was a kid, showed me what it was like to pick the cotton, showed me the scars on his hand. It's, a, it's actually a difficult crop. You know, failed the fifth grade because he had to work the land. And his father committed suicide because he couldn't get out of debt and being a sheriff. Hmm. 
And that's something that's still going on. Like I know it's happening in India right now. But what I love about this story is that it proved to me that you can never tell where a thing is and where a thing is going at the same time. So my father, who failed the fifth grade, also got two advanced degrees from Princeton. And the family, thank you. And the family who lost the father over the death managed to acquire the land, and we still have it in the family. And the Wednesday's child is no longer full of water. Wow. So we're going to sing this song. Oh, 
So I claim a space for my Joy. It's my joy, so I choose.
at the City University of London in England. She resides in Toledo with her eight-year-old rescue dog, Oliver Gavin, and Big <laughs> Terrier, her family adopted at nine weeks. Rhonda is the proud mother of adult fraternal twin daughters, age 22, Savannah Rose, a recent graduate of the Ohio State University in pre-veterinary studies, animal bioscience, and Sarah Ann, a senior at Ohio Wesleyan University, majoring in health and human kinetics, nutrition with a focus on food policy. Please welcome Rhonda Zool. Chadwick Boseman as Thurgood Marshall, T'Challa, and the Black Panther. 
Carter also created the costumes and look for the pilot episodes of Seinfeld and in Living Color, and for the first season of the first season of the wildly popular Yellowstone, starring Kevin Costner and directed by Taylor Sheridan. Carter is a member of the Board of Governors for the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences Foundation, mm. and is a founder of the Nojit Long Scholarship Fund. Please welcome Ruthie Gardner. Today. 
So that was our prayer for you. Thank you. You are so welcome. We are so honored to have you. And you can tell people who, who are in the church because they got to do protocol. So I would like to thank uh, Dr. Cooks, seriously, who has been a mentor to me personally for creating this program. has produced, it has multiplied for all people like Lance, who's, you know, doing such big things at Owens Corning. He's an inspiration as still a young man. He went through the Excel program, all of these things. Natasha, I said how your children are just dynamic, and it's because of you pouring into them. So I just thank you, Dr. Coates, for your vision. I thank David Young and his entire team. So I've never seen such dedication. I've never seen such dedication to young people. They go above and beyond the call of duty. Um, thank everyone on the stage, but I really want to thank my brother Thaddeus Washington for pouring into us. I'm going to need that. I don't have Apple Music. I have Spotify. I might have to download it. Some young person has to teach me how to do that. But um, that song touched me.
right over the mud of all jokes. And then we experience an economic boom and renaissance. And so we have what we call 419 pride. The 419 is our area code. And you talk about seeing people and showing up. I wanted to represent 419. So I asked a teaching artist who's very talented named Mercedes Colt. Can you stand please in the audience, Mercedes? She is a fashionista.
do shape your future. And I started as a, uh, a young girl, just like you, and going to school and uh, going to class, but after school, and in my room is where I drew. I have two brothers that are artists. Um, one was a fine artist, he was the artist of the family, and we revered him. Nobody else could really attain the height of art that he did because he was a fine artist. And he would paint these oil paintings with water crashing on the rocks and seagulls flying. And we thought, wow, you know, he's fantastic. But he would leave a lot of art supplies behind when he went to, uh, when he went on in life. And uh, my brother, who's younger than him, older than me, also was an artist. He loved to do portraits, and he was always drawing using using chalks and leads, and and we shade, and I, I would emulate them. You know, I revered them. I copied whatever they drew. I do the same thing. Now, how crazy is that? I do the same exact drawing my brother drew. But what I was doing, and I didn't know it, I was learning. I was learning about art, and I was learning that I loved art. I, I was learning about it. Um, and so I was drawing on this little uh, desk in my room. My mother put this in my room, and I would draw on it. I would steal all my brother's you know, supplies and go in there. He'd be so mad at me. And uh, you know, he had all the, uh, the superhero comics. I was like an uh, Archie fan. I like, you know, Little Lana, Dottie, and Archie. But one day I noticed that that desk had a very large leaflet, and I opened it. When I opened that leaflet, I realized there was a sewing machine inside of that desk. It was an old sewing machine my mother had got from her, her, uh, her mother. And I pulled it out, and I was like, wow, this is interesting. Um, and so on that sewing machine, I started to create. Um, I wasn't trying to, to create for fashion's sake. I was just trying to create. And I remember I went in the attic, you know, not, nothing got thrown away in our house. Everything went to the attic or the basement. And uh, I got out a whole bunch of old uh, jeans. And I opened them up and I took the pattern pieces that I found in the drawers of the sewing machine and I made a patchwork jean jacket. And when I finished, I didn't like it. I, didn't, I was like, ah, I'm done. But my neighbor, this uh, small guy named Tommy, he loved it. And he said, I'll wear it. And Tommy wore that, that denim jacket every day. And I was like, wow, he likes that thing. Okay. But I say that to say that, you know, we are like emerging as young people. We are growing and learning. On our own, we're, we're igniting a passion in ourselves. And when you ignite that passion, nothing ever feels like it's work. It always feels like you're doing, your, your, you're living your purpose, but you're also doing something you love. And when you do that, you'll be, you'll be pleasantly surprised where that will
show. Mm. And you know, the the idea of sacrifice kind of like lives in you. You know, sometimes it feels bad, sometimes it feels hard, and sometimes it feels lonely. But the joy of learning what and knowing that you're you're actually exploring your passion really does make it all right. You 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 learn to balance that feeling of I'm not doing what everybody else is doing. What's wrong with me? You go, I'm doing what I want to do and I'm doing something that I love. So we I I designed the dance company costumes as my senior thesis project uh, while I was at Hampton. And you know, that kind of springboarded me, you know, because people knew me on campus as the girl who's gonna be a costume designer, you know. Um, and I got a lot of advice of, on what to do after 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 I Uh, member who went uh, 
but um, for the most part, I was driven, literally and figuratively. And um, I arrived at the opera, and this beautiful opera, beautiful building, and our housing, like there were chickens walking around, and there was like, you know, we were in New Mexico, we were in the, we were in the desert, and they put all of us interns into this one house, it wasn't a lot of us, it was maybe eight, and you had to apply, you had to apply, so it was a big deal to be accepted to the Santa Fe Opera's internship program. And at the end of the opera, at the end of the season, they had the interns opera. So you got assigned an opera to do the costumes for, and you went into their stock, and you uh, put it all put it all together. But um, from that internship, I realized a lot about myself. I didn't want to sell. I did not want to sew. I had little holes in my fingers from all that hand stitching, from all those. Uh, I, what I what I realized was when I saw the designers walking in and they had beautiful sketches that we were going to be making from the, from from fabrics. You know, we, they, I saw how they put swatches on their illustrations and they had conversations with the head cutter about you know what their vision was. Yeah. Uh -huh. 
in South Central LA, there was a dance company that was doing a performance to Stevie Wonder's music, Songs to the Key of Life. It was an amazing performance. And they were doing it in a little cramped little studio in South Central on Adams and Western. And it got to be very known in the industry. And before long, there were limousines lining the streets to come in, sit in you know, cramped spaces to see this amazing performance of Stevie Wonder's music. And I, um, I met the choreographer, and I saw the show, and I said, I can help you. I was working in theater in LA. I said, I can help you. I have access to costumes, and I can, because I could see some of the things from my own dance, uh, dance experience, dance costuming experience. I could see some of the things that I could actually bring to the show. So before long, I was changing things a little bit, and I was there every night when the performance was happening. And one night, Spike Lee, who wasn't known then, he hadn't really even released She's Gotta Happen. He came with a friend of mine to see the performance. And, you know, I was busy, you know, I'm backstage, I'm watching, I'm going around, you know. And uh, one of my buddies was like, you know, do you have your portfolio with you? Now my portfolio was full of things that had never been realized. I just, I would, I would sketch a costume and, and read a play or it was things from my college experience that I put in that portfolio, never realized. And I said, okay, I'll show you, let me show you. So I opened the portfolio and I was like, yeah, I don't really like this and I'm, I'm really trying to do that. It was like 101 excuses. And Spike was looking. And uh, afterwards, we're all the same age. Afterwards, we go, we're hanging out, you know, we're hanging out back then. And uh, he's talking to me, and he's trying to tell me how to get more experience in film. And, you know, I felt like I was a family. You know, I'm a theater person. You know, what's that film thing he's talking about? And he said, go to the university. Sign up in the senior film department to volunteer on a student film. He said, if you do that, you will be in the same environment, around the same equipment, around the same job positions that a major motion picture has. So that intrigued me. I went to USC, the University of Southern California, I went into the film studies department. I said, hi, I'd like to volunteer. Uh, before long, on Saturdays, I was on the set of a student project. And I remember looking at you know, two people sitting on a porch swing, having a conversation. It was the first time I had heard like cut and quiet on the set. Right. But I said to myself, here I have been doing Shakespeare. I have been doing Moliere. I have been doing Lorraine, A Raisin in the Sun, Sky of the Flying Pig. And here are two people sitting on the swing. I said to myself, I would like to know more about this medium because I think I can do this. Boom. And then Spike did, he's really good at communicating. And back then, he had these postcards he would send out to everyone. And he invited me to screenings of She's Got a 
the case was gigantic. <laughs> and uh, I remember trying to get through the turnstile with that case. And when I got to Brooklyn, I spread everything out in front of Spike Lee. And my brother said, make him sign the ones he says he liked. So he said he liked that one. And I handed wow. it to him. And I still have his little signature um, on the drawing. But that was the beginning of a long relationship with someone who saw me. Even though I may not have fully seen myself, I was going through the steps. I was taking the steps. And he saw in me something that he felt would be of value to his team. So I say to young people, like every step you take accumulates. Everything you do is going to mean something. People, somebody is going to see you and want you to be a part of their team.
I want to be called Gigi, right? But kids name you. They may call me Nana, they may call me whatever. So when we broke ground on that building, the babies in the neighborhood call it Matanda. 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 Because they thought it reminded them of the futuristic city in Africa that they saw on the big screen. I have experience. I was like, but I can't even show him that. 
I had done uh, Roots Regal, not the first because I had done Roots Reboot and we had things made in Africa by artisans and with amber and leather and hand stitching, I was able to actually keep some of that So I went to my storage and I gathered the leather and the beautiful raffia pieces that were hand done by artisans in the continent and I brought them in to all of these marvels, and I laid it on the table, and I said, this is how these costumes are supposed to look. This is the way that this Gormelage costume is supposed to be made. We are honoring, we are honoring traditional techniques. We are really being real. Nothing wrong with coming to America because when the first one came out, everybody dressed like coming to America to go see the film. And I kept saying, oh no, like, uh, but it was our loyalty. It was our sense of belonging and, and being an inclusion. And when, once the second one came back around, we were uh, putting together a movie that was proven. So I used everything from the first movie as a prototype because I felt like we were not proven then, so everything, uh, we were throwing it against the wall. Let me try the Jabari tribe. They're supposed to be uh, wood-carved armor, and uh, Ryan wants these uh, raffia skirts on them, and you know, Mark was like, skirts on warriors? Uh, I don't know. And me and Ryan were like, let's do the Dogon. Let's honor the Dogon tribe. With the Dora we were, oh, let's honor the female form and not make them over-sexualized characters like in the comics. Let's give them a uniform, make them seriously dealt with like the highest ranking female fighting force in the Created a little triangle. 
the triangle we call the Okavango Triangle, and it, it represented the family. And in Africa, it's like the sacred geometry of, of the arch. You see, the triangle in so many arches, it means the father, the mother, or the mother, the father, the child. So we used this triangle, the Okavango Triangle, and we covered the soup in this little graphic all over. And it really did make it like an African tapestry. Because you remember the first one, he lights up purple. You know, there's these, line, these lines that travel around the suit. And when you look at and carved that one, it usually has multiple prints. It will have, you know, hazelies and circular patterns. And so that line work that went around the suit, first we wanted to put Wakandan language on. And then all oh, people at Marvel like, well, this is say, what does it mean? But, you know, the fans are gonna try to read it, you know? So we ended up doing just tribal markings. So those tribal markings combined with the Okavango Triangle really created an African tapestry for that suit. And now, having had the honor to adore Chad, the late great Chadwick Boseman, his Panther suit, that story is for, for forever connected to him wearing the suit.
and tell you that borrowing from her, her poem 